1: what's up everybody i'm tom piccolo and this is a lot of basketball i'm joined today by four guys four guys i don't know if that's a record for us but uh we'll see if we can keep from talking over each other uh joining us today are two old standbys we got jake storielli and greg poon how are you guys doing hello you've got a base i'm good hello ladies those are two different people okay <laughs> <laughs> We also have Kevin McGovern joining us for the second time from Boston. What's up, Kevin? Gentlemen, how are we? How are we? <laughs> and rejoining re- us after a long offseason is our resident Philadelphia 76ers insider, Chris Fujimoto. Fuj, what's going on? It's been a while.
2: Welcome to the moment, guys. Let's do it. Wow. The moment. I love it's a sixer, it. it. It's the Sixers slogan for this year. Welcome to the moment. You love it.
3: Yeah, the Knicks is are doing. <laughs> the, Knicks are, the Knicks are doing. Trust the process this year. Mm, just a year behind. I think I thought
4: the Knicks were doing. Stop winning games.
1: That's what it should be. Go Knicks or don't. That's Jake. Celtics
0: are breaking ankles and cashing checks. I think
1: is what it was. This is going to go off the rails pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, so we're taping this on Tuesday night. It's October thirty-first. So happy Halloween. Uh, do, you know, did any of you guys dress up this year? I did not.
3: I'm I'm wearing the same shirt as you and Fooj. They can't see us, but…
2: Yeah, dressed count? up as Greg. Yeah.
1: yeah, this is not the medium for us all to be dressed alike, but, <laughs> you know, we're doing it anyway. I, it's just for us. I went out Saturday as a sexy bunny,
4: so… And that's the end of the podcast.
1: Okay. <laughs> all right. Heard all I need to hear. <laughs> um, so, well, let, let's get this started. Food, you're our resident 76ers fan slash analyst, so I want to get started with the whole Markel Foltz situation over there. Uh, so, for people who haven't really been keeping up with it, can you give a little background into what's going on and any any updates on that end?
2: Yeah, sure. So, you know, first overall pick of the for the Sixers in the 2017 draft, you know, Foltz came into the league as a solid shooter, um, but over the summer, we got a little bit of word that he was considering changing his form, and, you know, with my own two eyes, saw at the um, at the Sixers scrimmage that he had started having a little bit of hitch in his form. We weren't sure if it was uh, form-related or if it was injury-related. You know, knowing the Sixers' history, everyone feared that it may have been injury-related. Um, started the season off the bench, you know, didn't look great, was hesitant to shoot, wasn't aggressive. Um, and then we got news, you know, a couple of weeks ago that they were going to there was a report to Woj from his agent saying that he got fluid drained, um, that changed to a cortisone shot. Um, and then it became really, just he said, she said amongst the uh, front office and Fultz and the agent. And it definitely became a war of words in the media. And just at the end of last week, we heard that Fultz is now going to be out indefinitely. You know, they're going to reevaluate him in three weeks. They, you know, The telling quote to me that makes me a little bit nervous as a Sixers fan slash insider is, you know, Colangelo said there was no medical reason for him to sit out, so we played him. I think there's certainly an optics thing. You know, the Sixers have been plagued with injuries for so long, especially the top picks, that they think they wanted Fultz to gut it out. And from my perspective, I only hope that they're able to sit him down and get his shoulder right before, before there's actual damage to it.
1: Yeah, and I think that the actual like injury diagnosis was
2: what is a muscular imbalance of the of the scapular yeah. muscle. What was it? Yeah, it's a uh, scalar muscular imba- muscle imbalance, which I-, I mentioned to you guys yesterday. It doesn't sound real, but doesn't sound yeah, real. Yeah, um, you can tell if anything, it's going to be a mental thing now because he was getting you know trashed in the media, not trashed, but I guess people were making note of his shot and how different how hesitant and how bad it looked, especially at the free throw line, that I think sitting down will be good for him. The Sixers go on a, a West Coast swing um, starting next week so for a couple of weeks. So I think maybe when they come back, you know, December around Christmas time, we may see Fultz again, and hopefully then he's a little bit closer to the Fultz we saw in college.
1: Yeah, so, so Greg, Jake, or Kevin, I'm wondering if any of you guys have seen his shot and if any of you could kind of play shot doctor a little bit, if you could – Speculate if you if you think it's a mental game, Jake. You're shaking your head. What do you, what do you think? I mean, you
4: what we've seen. You just have to straight throw out the window because I that that one free throw clip that went around the internet was sad. It 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 looked like a seven foot five inch guy shooting his first free throw. Like it was the the Shaquille O'Neal hands first, and then kind of let the body do it. So. I don't know if if you're Sixerland, you you just have to pray it was pure shoulder injury. He t- tried to be the tough rookie and play it out a little bit. Um, I don't know. I we we've been talking about this rookie class been getting a ton of love, right? You wonder, depending how he comes back, when he comes back, you know that Sixers trust the process is going to be getting some junk. If I don't know if Lonzo keeps taking off, if Tatum keeps going off, so that's. It's going to be interesting right now if you're the Sixers, you just have to clean your hands of that and say, no, that's that's not the Markel fold. All
1: right. Well, unless there's anything else on Markel, I just wanted to, to lead off with that bit of news before we kind of jumped into the the format of this pod. Well, Since we have so many people, I want to give everyone a, a chance to talk here. So the way we're going to set this up is everyone's going to pick a team that's either kind of surprised them or caught their eye. And they're just going to talk a little bit about it. We'll have some some back and forth on on that team. Um, Jake, I, I had you leading us off here. Uh, don't mean to go to you twice in a row, but but what what team did you pick? Keep bringing it, Tom Bone, because um, I can handle it. Unlike some of these noobs.
4: Boom. <laughs> Shots um, fired. No, I. You know we were we were talking about some different ways to format this because it's still earlier in the season, but. I uh, the the one team that keeps jumping up in my head is the Detroit Pistons because a they've been winning a bunch of games I think they're currently they're currently on top of the East did that change
0: tied um, tied with everyone else
4: tied with everyone else thanks Kevin <laughs> I guess I guess I deserve that with the newbie comment
0: Detroit but, basket
4: <laughs> but I I guess what's getting me with this team is so they made the Avery Bradley trade which I think we all. I, again, I'll leave Kevin out of this from the Boston fan perspective, but that was kind of Boston's one kind of awkward question mark move, right? Like, you know, Avery Bradley was a secret glue part of that team that by the way would also get like 18 points a night. So now he goes to Detroit, uh, Stan Van Gundy, who I love. He's, you know, again, the the league's getting away from it, but you, you, he felt like he's one of those leftover coaches that used to be like, wow, he's one of the guys that gets his team to actually like hustle. Like he gets them to play good defense. And I don't know. So he gets Avery Bradley, who's a great wing defender. You've got Stanley Johnson coming into his own Drummond. uh, You know, it's kind of a big year for him. This was his make it or, or not year kind of, and his stats are average. He's going, well, I shouldn't say average. He's going 13 and 14 and a half. So He's pretty unique, but you start looking at these pieces with Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson, whose percentages are up and his assists are up, Tobias Harris, who I think we're a consensus is a mellow light guy. Is that what we're calling him? So this Pistons team is kind of fun. It's, it's you start to wonder, okay, what can they be? And again, with some of the super teams, well, the East has opened up. So if Stan Van has these guys... Bought in, playing good team offense, good team defense. I mean, Stanley Johnson, Avery Bradley are two guys that can lock down your two best perimeter options with Drummond Patrol in the middle. So I've I've really liked what they've been doing. They've also been shooting lights out from three to start this year, which I think is a big factor in it. But um they're they're a team to watch. I with that. The minute Gordon Hayward went down, kind of the second playoff spot the second Eastern conference playoff spot became available to like five or six teams and Detroit's one of them. I think, I, I think starting the year they weren't necessarily in that conversation, but now I think we need to talk about it.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, they've definitely looked, looked strong. I know Reggie Jackson really struggled last year. Uh, This year I was just looking up a few stats and he's always been known as like a pick and roll type of guy. And um, yeah, he's, he's using like, the stats: fifty-eight percent of his possessions that he uses are in the pick and roll, and he's scoring a point per possession off of each of those, which is pretty solid. Um, he's got Andre Drummond as a good pick and roll partner, so yeah. I mean, they're they're definitely a team to watch out for. I, I mentioned Luke Kennard as like a solid rookie, and you kind of rebuffed don't that men, a little don't bit. Don't mention but,
4: Luke Kennard. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. I I like what Luke can be, but uh, the other I I guess the one name that I've left out. Well, Langston Galloway playing good ball out of. Nick's purgatory from years past but uh also Ish Smith. Ish Smith is one of the best backup point guards in the game, IMO. Um and I think like you were saying where Reggie kind of gets this bad reputation, I think Stan can kind of take the ball out of Reggie's hands for about 20 minutes a night and let Ish run the show. So yeah, there's
0: are- there's a lot of talk actually at the beginning of the year between those two guys. Ish Smith apparently uh there's a lot of talk he might be the starting point guard ahead of Reggie given the struggles from last year. So you've got yeah, great point. You got a great, you know, almost starting caliber point guard backing them up too. And that's that's where I think I I guess
4: I gave Stan Van the love because you know, a lot of teams that could kind of become a problem. And I think Stan Van's a good coach at making that a strength of the team. So enough talking pistons. What what do you got, McGovern?
0: So the the, uh, the perennial powerhouse in the Eastern Conference after a 29-win season last year, we've got the uh, Orlando Magic, baby. The Magic are back. Um, really surprised with the Magic this year. You've got uh, two I, – I mean, I, I wouldn't have guessed these would be your two highest-paid players on the Magic right now, but it's Bismarck Biombo and Evan Fournier. Now, Evan Fournier is actually making his money, Bismarck Biombo, less so, but – Fournier is averaging about 22 points a game so far through the early season and and playing out of his mind uh, and then you've got you know old Charlotte's Bobcats point guard DJ Augustine uh, who's running the point for them um, kind of beside uh, Fournier and, and they're both playing pretty well and then of course you've got the big duo up front with Aaron Gordon and, and uh, Vucevic. and they've been a big surprise I mean, Granted, I, I don't expect this to continue at all. I think through the the first half or the first seven games of the season there, they're shooting almost 50% uh, from the field, which is absolutely insane, and about 44% from from three. So you don't really expect that to, to continue. Um, and, and I can't say that there's much depth on that team that I would point to to, to carry them through an 82-game season, but – you know, you might have to start talking about the Magic as a, a potential stealer for the eighth or seventh spot in the playoffs and, and really contend uh, contend at the bottom of the league there. So for me, they're, they're, they're my real surprise. They had a bunch of no-names. They really didn't even add anyone in the offseason, um, just guys that, that kind of got a little bit better over the season or over the offseason. And, and surprise, surprise, they're sitting at 5-2. and two. So, you know, they played great the other night against the Pelicans and shot absolutely lights out um they got a big game tonight against uh the grizzlies so we'll see how that goes but yeah magic that that's where i sit with the magic i'd say kind of the biggest one of the biggest surprise teams in the league they had one big ad this postseason i know frankie v baby oh god give me a break give frank vogel some love yeah i mean he's he's doing his thing you know he's kind of i guess creating it in a bit of the mold of the pacers it wasn't like the pacers you know had great talent on that roster they had they had players i'll give roy hibbert although I'd, I'd kind of compare aaron gordon and roy hibbert and say aaron's kind of got the edge there but you know they, they don't necessarily have superstar guys um but just a team that works and plays really really well together you also got a out of nowhere had no idea he was on the team terrence ross is down in, in, in orlando right now too and you got a couple of guys that have been around the league for a while. You've got Maurice Spates, who was balling last night. I think he had 18. He's six for six from three.
1: Um, well, so K Mack, Mac, I got to push back a little bit on, on Jake. I, you went in a different direction. I thought you were going to say the acquisition was Jonathan Simmons. Come on, man. <laughs> He's put up 17 points a game. He's, he's shooting 53% from the field, 50% from three under just a few attempts. But I mean, he, I mean, I watched the only magic game I've watched so far has been the the one they played against the Spurs. I had to cover that for, for SB nation. And he, I mean, Jonathan Simmons just came off the bench and dominated. He's just so athletic. And, uh, you know, I, I could see the Spurs kind of regretting a little bit losing him. Uh, I mean, maybe they had to get rid of him to make room for, for Rudy Gay, but, I mean, Jonathan Simmons really has been playing well so far this year, and I think he's been a major acquisition for them.
4: I, I don't talk about Jonathan Simmons because the Knicks signed Tim Hardaway for, what, triple the price? <laughs> so <laughs> so I, 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 can't, I can't talk about Jonathan Simmons. So that's my lawyers.
3: Well, Tim Hardaway's a steal, and we'll, we'll see <laughs> that going forward. Get him, Greggy. I'm sure you'll see. I'll, I'll steal the spotlight right now. McGovern, Please. enough. Let's talk, let's talk Let's talk. some be- real basketball. So my surprise team is probably maybe not a surprise team. I don't know. The Boston Celtics. This team is tied for first place. After break. everyone saw Gordon Hayward go down and they kind of wrote him off. I didn't because I've lived in Boston for seven years and was like, wow, Brad Stevens doesn't have any good players on his team at all. And he went 500 one year. And then – Brad Stevens has a a five foot six best player, and he's the one seed the next season. So, now I mean, Gordon Hayward goes down. People say, "All right, that who's going to challenge the the Cavs in the East?" The Cavs are just going to have a cakewalk. the The answer is the Boston Celtics are still going to challenge the Cavs in the East. Uh, it doesn't really matter who's on this team. Brad Stevens, just a player's coach, gets the most out of his guys. They have Irving averaging twenty one. Jalen Brown, 15. Horford, 15. Jason Tatum, 14. Marcus Smart, 11. Terry Rozier, 9. That's just a, a a full basketball team. I mean, as long as they don't have to put Shane Larkin in the game, they'll, they'll be okay as far as I'm concerned. uh, So they're just going to keep playing defense like Brad does. He coaches. They're going to knock down open shots. Tom loves Al Horford. Al Horford's going to... Keep control of the offense from the center position. So, I don't know. All I'm all I'm saying is that the Celtics are zero one with Gordon Hayward and five and one without him.
0: Great point, Sixers. Greg. That's yeah. a great point. That's, that's for De- defensive player of the year too. Keep that
1: in mind. All right. Anybody else have anything to say about the Celtics? Well, the Celtics' defense—they've had the best defense so far this year. So, despite the Shane Larkin minutes, maybe, and then maybe it is a, a factor of Al Horford sort of being the anchor in there. I know, KMac, you you threw out some stats um, in our text group about yeah, how good Horford was.
0: I'm a big time stat guy uh, since this morning, and uh, what I've what I've really noticed about Horford, uh, and this is you know all my internal analysis. No, just kidding. Uh, what I like about Horford is is He's he's flexible and he's versatile in ter- in time in terms of how he can guard different positions and um, I think some of the the stats I was looking at today um, particularly around the the different players he's had to guard this year so he's had to guard Giannis uh, Attentacumpo. Jake did I get that one right and and then uh, never heard of him yeah sorry uh, and then he's guarded LeBron uh, he's he's guarded a, a bunch of these really talented players and, and done well. Um, I can't remember specifically uh, what his efficiency rating was, but um, you know he's holding players to to pretty uh, low uh, shooting percentages and, and and just being a solid all around piece for the Celtics and kind of the anchor of that defense, I'd say. And just just the off the defense, but the
3: what Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are doing, the steps forward Jalen Brown took from. Last year to this year, you can understand why the Celtics have been so high on him. Danny Ainge has been saying, like last year, people they ask about Jalen Brown, and that's that's pretty close to the time he hung up the phone. And now we know why this guy he can he can jump the the jump shot's developing, and if it gets there, this could be a scary basketball player going forward. Jason Tatum, I know Jake loves to talk about uh, shooting percentages for for rookies being abysmal. Jason Tatum shooting 50% from three on 2.9 attempts through seven games. That's not bad. That's not bad. If he made the other 50%, he'd be at 100. That's all I'm saying.
1: So He is a only. sad guy. Uh, the- Fooj, I'm curious, as a Sixers fan, how you feel looking at Jason Tatum because obviously there was the trade for uh, for Markel Fultz. Fultz, as we talked about earlier, hasn't looked as good whether that's the injury, whether it's a mental thing, we're not sure. But, I mean, what do you think about the way Tatum's looked,
2: and do you feel a little envy there? I mean, he's, he's looked really strong, and I think I was surprised at how well he was able to fit into the NBA game. I thought he was going to be a little bit of a transition period, especially with the Celtics where it may be hard to get playing time. I think it's too early. I think, you know, I still stand behind the trade, mostly because the Sixers kind of needed a dynamic scoring guard and they thought Fultz was a generational talent. You know, he may still be. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's still a little too early. But seeing Tatum on the court is more than what Fultz is doing. So you're right. It's a little bit of jealousy.
1: All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to my team here to look at, which is the Toronto Raptors. They're sitting at 4-2. And, and And, you know, coming into the season, a lot of – Analysts expected that they would just be worse this year. They lost P.J. Tucker. Um, Kyle Lowry's a year older. Um, but, you know, they're sitting at 4-2. and two. They have wins against the Bulls and the Sixers. I mean, the Bulls are, are the worst or second-worst team in the league, so that's not so impressive. But wins it's at home against team. the Bulls and Sixers and then at the Los Angeles Lakers and the Portland Trail Blazers. They blew out. Portland um on their home floor which is pretty impressive and their only two losses so far were at San Antonio they lost by four and then at Golden State they lost by five so two very competitive games against you know very good teams on their home courts so I think Toronto they don't have any bad losses so far they've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat they're they're sitting with at the second best defense in the league so far just behind Greg's Boston Celtics um but you know the the biggest change I've seen from them from them this year has been shot selection. Uh, last year they they didn't really shoot many three pointers. They were twenty second in the league uh, in terms of three point shot frequency. This year they're shooting thirty nine percent of their shots from three. It's it's sixth most in the league. They're not they're not exactly hitting at a very high rate. But what it's been doing is has been, has been opening up shots closer to the basket. So in the restricted area they're taking the third most shots per game this year. And last year they took the fifth fewest. It's because, that, you know, last year they took too many shots in the mid-range, whereas this year they've kind of converted those, those bad shots in the mid-range to either three-pointers or restricted area shots, kind of like becoming Houston-East a little bit. So that's, I mean, DeRozan's playing great. Lowry hasn't really looked amazing. Um, you know, last year his, he had kind of a career year, but I expect he'll start to pick it up. He's shooting seven threes a game and uh, he's, he's connecting on on very few of those. So I expect that to change to turn around a bit. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really impressed with not just the Raptors stars, but their, their depth. They have some really strong young guys who've been playing well. Pirtle, um, Norman Powell. They've got my guy, OG Ananobi, who's been just a a rookie sensation so far. You know, I was really high on him. I was high on him coming in. Luke. Yeah.
4: That's uh, Tom. I just jumped to the the Raptors page, and I think it's funny because we all we all expect Rosen, Lowry, Ibaka to kind of do their thing, right? Yeah. But it, you look at Valen Valen Shuenis. Did I say that right, Kevin Jonas? Um, Lucas Nguera. Yeah. Niguera, yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: Lucas Nguera, Pascal Sikam, Saikam, Jacob Podo. So those are four big guys that all have PERs over 22, I believe. So, so they've got four young big guys that are rotating and coming in. And I think that's huge. What you said about the spacing, the floor. And the other thing that made me laugh while you were talking about that, Tom was in this age of super teams and the free agency and this, that, and the other, we've kind of lost sight of like player development, (laughs) like, like, yeah. just think of the, the four big guys I just named. Like, okay, you know, you almost forgot a few of those guys are even on the Raptors. I couldn't pronounce half their names. <laughs> and because those four younger yeah, guys I have the names, It's
0: okay. Yeah, that's
4: true. But because those guys have taken a bit of a jump, I mean, that's, I don't know, it's kind of something that's been ignored uh, in this offseason.
3: Yeah, and uh, to go off that player development, uh, Raptors are doing so good that Bruno Caboclo has already played two games this year. He is probably probably the most disappointing player in the NBA, but I, I love him. Hopefully he pans out eventually. He's been what's sitting he on the Raptors. That is movie
0: Bruno, is that him?
3: Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I guess
4: the,
3: I guess the pod's over. <laughs> no, so so Bruno Caboclo. Baby. Let me baby. finish my Caboclo speed. Okay. <laughs> Bruno Caboclo. Raptors drafted him four years ago. This is the fourth year of his rookie deal. And he hasn't done anything at all except sit on their bench. And it's like, he's about to be a restricted free agent. And I guess, what, what are you going to max him? I don't know. It's a sad, sad <laughs> yes. decision. Hopefully he's good someday. I'm rooting for you, Bruno. I know you're listening. Fooch. What's up, buddy? You got it from here. Who's, who's your squad?
2: Yeah. You guys are sti- you know, sticking out here in the East with your Celtics, your Magic, your Pistons. You forgot about the West. Um, we're gonna go to a team all the way out west in Memphis, Tennessee. Surprise <laughs> leaders of the Southwest Division. You know, who would have thought in a in a division with the Spurs and the Rockets, it's the Grizzlies at five and two who are leading this division with guys like Jarrell Martin, who, uh, Jamichael Green, Dylan Brooks. People thought once they lost Tony Allen, they're kind of like they're going to be dead in the water a little bit, but somehow this team has still managed to stay relevant with aging stars and Gasol and even Conley in a way. And got some stats for you here. You know, we're all about stats. Let's uh, go. The re- one of the main reasons is because they are leading the league in opponent field goal percentage at 39%. That's Whew. good. They're also leading the league in two-point percentage with at forty-four percent. Stats. Stats. I think, you know, you always think back to like what Tony Allen's uh Grizzly you really a lot of grit and grind, strong defensive play. You know, Fizdale and this team really has kept that through, even with kind of interchangeable parts with you know, your Jamicha Green's, your Gerald Martins, your Brooks. So I'm surprised. You know, I think what I would Question is whether they're able to hold on to it. You know, certainly, you know, you expect both Houston and San Antonio to to get better, but you know, they're they're getting good minutes out of you know, Tyreek Evans. You know, Chandler Parsons comes off the bench and you know, can give them meaningful minutes, even though he's paid like a superstar.
1: Because he Mario, is huge.
2: It's, it's thank you, Jake. Always reminding me who the stars are. Um, you know, Mario Chal- Chalmers, who was on the scrap heap. You know, they're they're, it's like an island of misfit toys in a way, but they're finding a way to make it happen. I just question long term if it's sustainable. You know, I think that's where you know remains to be seen in a way.
3: Yeah, I know the Grizzlies got hot to start the year last year. They were they were up near the top of the West standings, and then I guess I think their entire team got injured, and they eventually faded all the way to the eighth seed and uh, fizzled into nothingness. But hopefully they're able to keep it up this year. Conley and Gasol have been nothing short of amazing carrying those guys. Hopefully uh, the other random people on the team continue to do well.
2: Well, I think what's crazy, too, is the final thought. like you know, Mike Conley, we would say, is probably one of the maybe six best guards in the – your point guards in the West. Never been to an All-Star game. Uh, he's paid, you know, $100-plus plus million Yeah, I wonder – how that plays into our narrative and understanding of, them, of the Grizzlies is you know, they have a great player who's never been an all-star because he's in the West. But, you know, I think they're underappreciated in a way because of, because of all of the other talented teams out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, on the a lot of Basketball preview show, I took the Grizzlies to make the playoffs. I was high on them the whole time. And I know Kenny and Jake really tried to talk me out of that. But, uh, you know, I was just I was too high on Conley. And you, Conley actually hasn't even played that well this year. He's, he's shooting 36% from the field, 26% from three on six and a half attempts. He's, he's actually really struggling, and this team is still finding ways to win. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, and their guy, Jermichael Green, should be coming back soon from injury. And when he does, they have got a lot of athletic bigs who run the floor. And, you know, their, their pace isn't that high, but they just still – seem to give opposing teams problems it's it's weird to watch you're not you're not really sure how they're doing it um so yeah if we definitely agree if, yeah if we've got nothing else on on the grizz which i'd be surprised if we do um we could probably move on to the next segment where we all just pick one player one player to talk about and uh you know K i think you've got a good one here so i'm gonna i'm gonna go to you here
0: yeah, I've got a I've got a real sleeper pick here, but it, I'm going to go uh, ke- keep it in the Western Conference. I'm going to go out to the Portland Trailblazers, and we're going to look at Pat Connaughton out there. He's a second-year guard out of Notre Dame, um, a Massachusetts native, uh, a guy I shut down for one game in a fall league game uh, in high school. So, Pat, if you're listening, uh, I know you fear my name, so I'll, I'll keep it at that, and um, you know, I, I actually am, in all seriousness, kind of interested to see how he plays because Portland kind of needs uh, they need backup depth, and and they don't really have it. After you know, once you, you're you're kind of asking for a lot from from Lillard and McCollum, and there's no one else that can really come in and give them a blow and and kind of be consistent, and uh, they they haven't had that sort of player. Now, the interesting thing about Pat is that you know, he, he doesn't come off as particularly athletic or, or, or even in many cases very skilled, but I feel like as, as we keep talking about player development, he's a guy that I think has kind of turned the corner a bit and, and you particularly see it this year. Um, he's averaging over 20 minutes a game and, and in doing so he's also averaging close to 10 points a game. So close to 10 points a game, two and a half rebounds. Um, and in wins, he's averaging close to 15 points. So you know, he's a type of guy that gives them some bench depth and, and can actually be a contributing factor to them in the Western Conference. And, um, you know, it just really makes me think, like, yeah, I could probably contribute on the Trailblazers too. So, you know, there's that.
3: Yeah, I know we talked about uh, the departure of Alan Crabb on the the season preview, and we were worried about the, the Blazers' depth. And he's just having someone to eat those 20 minutes, just not to have everything go to hell while well, – While you got one of Lillard or McCollum on the bench is really what that's what you need when you're the Blazers. Just a lot of teams just their depth isn't there and they just fall apart when the bench shows up. See the Cavs in the finals, but you just you just need someone to to hold the fort and that's what they got. And like you said with Connaughton not being super imposing. He, played, he was playing power forward at Notre Dame when they were playing Kentucky. So he was going against the big boys in the, the Sweet 16 or Elite 8 or something, and they almost pulled it out.
0: Yeah, so, so, think, so think about that. I could have been playing the Elite 8 against Kentucky and holding my own too based on how I played against Pat in that Foley game in high school.
3: Transitive yeah. property, man. That's no you. He
1: listed at 6'5", 206 pounds. I don't know how big he was in high school, but Kevin, how did you measure up to him?
0: Uh, he's definitely a lot bigger, taller, faster, stronger, more skilled than I am, but it doesn't have the, he doesn't have the grit that I had. So, you know, that's, I think was really the difference maker that one day in October when I locked his ass down. But, uh, needless to say, I think that you might see it with, with the trailblazers that they might go as their bench goes. I, I kind of look to their second unit after Lillard, after McCall, I'm sure they're, they're going to carry you and they're going to win a bunch of games. But who I think is actually going to be really interesting for them is going to be the combination of someone like Evan Turner, uh, Pat Connaughton, and maybe some of their younger bigs to see what they can do in late second quarter, late third quarter, um, to kind of either extend leads or hold leads until Lillard and McCollum can get back on the
1: floor. Well, that is a deep cut on the Blazers roster, but I'm glad we got that in there. Tom. Jake, I'm going to you next. We haven't heard from you in too long.
4: Tom, even if you weren't going to me, I was going. Because not only did I have to hear Kevin rant about him locking down Pat Connaughton and and trying – and him him being on the trail – contributing to the trailblazers when – we're still trying to get him to contribute to a lot of basketball.
0: Boom!
4: That's called face. But the the other part that was hurting me – you know I'm not an Evan Turner guy. And the other thing is I I always wanted a uh, little homie bass, Shabazz Nabe here, to jump into that role, which when he jumped in for the Trailblazers at the end of the year last year, he had two two very good games. But we'll we'll give Pat his due. Also an incredible baseball player. I think that's kind of funny that everyone assumed he was kind of gonna go baseball because he's supposed to be a stud. And he's like, nah, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna get 20 minutes a night on the Trailblazers my like, right. So but Back Back to me, because that's you're you're listening to Jake's podcast. I um, and again, I'm gonna actually steal Kevin Sunder again. I gotta talk about my boy, Evan Fournier. Uh, it, it's kind of funny, right? So Fournier's been doing decent things in this league. He averaged seventeen points last year, fifteen the year before, but we all just kind of assumed these were totally dead stats because he played on the magic. His percentages weren't great, but like this dude still kind of gets buckets. He's a very good free throw shooter. Uh, career thirty eight percent from three. Currently fifty five percent from three. Fifty four percent from the field so far. Uh, dude takes fifteen shots a night, and he's currently leading these this magic at least on the offensive end. And I so the name that's been getting so much of the love is Aaron Gordon, who by the way has been playing great, and he deserves the love. And everyone's kind of been waiting on this for like two years now. So good for Aaron Gordon. He's he's getting buckets and also shooting a good percentage from three, which was a little surprising. But man, Evan Fournier. I mean, we how many times has now the conversation turned to talking about who can you guard and who who do you have guarding on the wings? And Evan Fournier is a six seven. A uh, French dude who's been getting buckets for the past couple years. And now he's getting 22 points a night. So I I don't know this this guy's. I, do I say elite score? That sounds a little high, but this this guy's a very talented player. And if we're gonna start giving the magic love outside of Gordon and some people within basketball know Vucevic because he's done some things. Man, give give Fournier some love. This dude's a bucket getter.
0: I can't I can't support that. I just take a look at his Instagram page. You, you, I think you think he's a male model before he's a basketball player. I just uh, I I can't I can't understand why he's good. That that's as simple as I can get. I I just can't understand why he's good and yet he's continued to to outperform and certainly beat out my expectations, but I expect I mean I am not very high on Evan Fournier. Sorry if you're listening. Uh and i I can't i can't see this trend continuing i mean first off you're not going to expect 50 plus uh shooting percentages going forward but can he continue to shoot in the high 30s maybe
1: jealousy does not look good on you kevin that's all i'll say
0: i should be on the trailblazers
1: (laughs) no i mean Fournier. i mean he also just turned 25 this week so happy birthday if you are listening but um yeah, uh, he's he's a good player. I, I've liked him for a while. Now he doesn't play that much defense. So, uh, that's, but the Magic are outscoring everybody right now. They've the, maybe I mentioned this earlier. They have the second best offense behind just the Warriors. Like that's pr- pretty impressive. Again, just through seven games or so. But we don't need to make that caveat every time. Um, Greg, I want to go to you. Did you did you select a player that you're a little surprised by? Yeah, I got a good one. I probably
3: got the best one out of all of us, if I had to guess. The reigning sixth man of the year in the Western Conference, Eric Gordon, is playing like an all-star. It's a good one. It's too soon,
2: Greg. The wound is too deep still.
3: It's probably the best one, as I previously stated. Um, Look at this. He's averaging 24.9 points per game. Chris Paul went down. Eric Gordon took over the starting gig in the backcourt with um, James Harden. I don't don't even remember who the other guard is because this guy is so good. Yeah, Eric Gordon's just running things. He's he's dunking the ball. I don't know if you, you've you been watching him play, but he's just, like, cocking back and dunking. Everybody he's thinks bouncy all of a sudden. Everyone thinks he's, like, this kind of, like, chunky guy in the corner like, just got, like, a nice sh- shot. And he does, and he fits that description, yes. But he can also dunk the ball, apparently, and that's what we're learning. He's only shoot, shooting 30% from three, but he's averaging 24.9, so he must be doing other things right. So – I mean, if Chris Paul never comes back, the Rockets will probably be okay. Right?
1: Anybody? Wow. Yikes. Yeah, fine.
3: yeah, I mean, I'm all in on Eric Gordon. He's looking like the guy that the Clippers traded for Chris Paul to the Hornets. He's looking like, I know it's like 10 years later, but he's finally panning out. He's trying to. He's finally making that trade look like it made sense, even though it didn't. And that's why the NBA vetoed the other trade for that trade. And that's a lot of basketball. Thanks for coming.
2: <laughs>
1: Fooj, you want to tell us your player?
2: Yeah. So part of this comes from um, a little eye test bias. You know, uh, My player is Clint Capella. I saw the Sixers or the Rockets when they came to, into town to play the Sixers. They actually play twice in the span of like four days. So you know, the first time Clint Capella had 19 boards, he Oh, you know, quietly own the game. Um, looked a little bit uh, into his stats because you know, in a in a team we just talked about, Eric Gordon that um, is known for three point shooting, spreading the floor, and pace. Capella can kind of get lost out there, but you know, he's a career you know under ten point scorer. He's upped it to around thirteen this year. Um, but he is also uh, you know under you know an under ten rebounder, but you know, up that to the eleven. 11% or uh, excuse me, 11 rebounds a game. So you know, I think it's he's seen that progression that we'd expect from a guy who's kind of, you know, grown in the league and found his place. But, you know, really one of the reasons why I brought him up is because, you know, this report came out from from Zach Lowe recently that said, you know, over the summer, I guess, yeah, over the summer they were, around on the trade deadline last year, there was rumblings that the Clippers were going to trade DeAndre Jordan to the Rockets for Clint Capella and pick some players. and. You know it's interesting you know you think of DeAndre Jordan and what he does, and he's very, very similar to Clint Capella, just a lot more expensive you know Clint Capella' is only on a one or million dollar a year contract um, he's currently leading the league in field goal percentage, you know high in defensive rebounding, so he's you know certainly it's because I saw him, but he's he's standing out to me and it's hard to do that when you're playing on a team with you know Eric Gordon and Orion um, Anderson and James Harden. You know, I, I think it, he's been a surprise, which is a positive.
1: Two Rockets, huh? You guys are pretty pretty impressed with your with that team in Houston. Each <laughs> town. Hey, they lost Chris Paul, and they're still
3: going. They're still going strong. So you got to be impressed. I mean, James Harden is not doing what he did last year. He doesn't even seem to be trying to go for rebounds like he did last year now that he knows that he's not going to win the MVP no matter what happens. So he's, I mean, he's holding down the fort. He's not like going insane stat chasing. He's, he's getting, he's getting help. He's getting help
0: from a lot of guys on that team and they're looking good. They added, and they also added a bunch of depth where, you know, historically you think of uh, Mike D'Antoni teams and you think they're just all offense. But, you know, they've actually got some really good defensive talent on that team. Um, I think they, uh, they, they've got them in their D-League or G-League team now, I think it is. But, Briante mm-hmm. Weber from, uh, from VCU, I think it was, who's, who's just a really talented, long uh, uh, guard who can, who can play and get minutes for them. Um, you've got their big guys, like their forwards, like P.J. Tucker. That, that dude I don't ever want to find in the dark alley. Troy Williams, long, athletic guy you know, they, they've got some defensive talent where I feel like the knock on those teams has always been they can't get a stop when they need one, but uh, might be uh, changing changing the tone of that a little bit.
2: I think what what's interesting is one of their weak points out there is a guy who you think is a pretty good wing defender, and it's Trevor Reza. Like, you know, certainly he's missed a couple games this year, but, you know, I, I was watching that game when they played the Sixers on Monday. He well, don't know who can hang with Ben Simmons, but like he struggled and I wonder like you're, you're right. They bring in all this defensive talent and Where does Ariza's place become, you know, he's a veteran in the league. He can shoot, but He may be the odd man out when it comes to this team later down the road, but Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, I think are, you know, surprises to say at least for, for the Rockets.
1: All right, well, I think that'll bring us to the, the last player here, and, that, and that's my guy, and I think it actually is the best one. I know Greg may have mentioned that he, his was, but I, I'm liking Victor Oladipo here in, the, in Indiana. A lot of people really criticize the return from Paul George fairly because that was a pretty poor return. They got Victor Oladipo, DeMontis Sabonis, and was there anything else, guys? Am I missing something there? It feels like that can't be all. Greg?
2: was a pick? Was there a pick there?
1: M- I don't might, think so I think might have, have, have been happen. a little something, but nothing of note.
2: uh cash considerations what they call that
1: nice cash considerations so yeah, I think Vic Oladipo wasn't in a great position last year playing on Russ's team like the entire team was designed around getting Russ a triple double and the mVP kind of to the detriment of development of his teammates this this is my opinion here I know some feel like. Russ deserved the MVP. I wasn't in that camp. But, you know, just seeing what Aldipo has done through the first seven games of the season so far, I mean, he just was named the the NBA's Eastern Conference Player of the Week. You know, (laughs) he certainly was never the Player of the Week in the West last year. I didn't look up that stat, but I imagine he wasn't. And, you know, one thing is he may have actually learned some things from Russ. He's just he's just like shoving the ball down opponents' throats. He 30% of his plays have been in transition so far where he's scoring 1.22 points per possession. That's like shooting just over 40% from three. So when you're doing it that often, like it, it really helps the team. And like the Pacers offense, they've actually had the third most efficient offense this year behind just the Warriors and the Magic. So, I mean, no one would have looked at this roster, this Indiana roster, and thought that they were capable of that. And it's really been on the back of Oladipo. He's, he's scoring in a lot of different ways. He's been one of the most efficient players in the league off uh, dribble handoffs. Um, and he's just, I mean, he's shooting the heck out of the ball from three. He's, uh, he's shooting 47% on five threes a game. I'm, this guy is, uh, you know, not worth Paul George, but he's definitely made it uh, more, more of an interesting conversation for sure. So that's
2: why yeah, I'm talking with Oladipo.
4: Tommy, I I was less of a critic on the trade. I mean, you're in. I guess what it is is in the NBA, if you trade a superstar, you never really get proper value, right? But for one year of Paul George, when he he pretty much said he's going to LA. Well, again, we'll see how that plays out. But man, Oladipo and Sabonis were two guys that passed the eye test for me. Which I know a lot of GMs go off my eye test for their moves, but Sabonis. Would play mean at times and can also stretch the floor. So, and he was one of the youngest guys in the league last year. So you're talking about a guy with NBA lineage. lineage there's one for you who can stretch the floor. I mean, it's it's very too easy to say. I I don't know where he gets capped out, um, whether it's athleticism or what it may be. But you could be looking at a Chris Bosh light here. I mean, this is this is down the road, and I I know I'm playing the lefty card there. But the other thing that I, with Oladipo, think about when he came into the league. We, we thought he'd be this lockdown defensive guy. Almost anything on offense was going to be bonus. The question was kind of the point guard, shooting guard thing, because um, he handles the ball a little bit. And with Russ, I, obviously that gets taken out of your game. And, I mean, his, his NBA comparison coming into the league was Dwayne Wade. And he's kind of looking like that a little bit so far.
3: And then also with Sabonis, like I know you said he could stretch the floor. It seemed like, looking at his stats this year, it looks like he was being misused in Thunder. I mean, as was every other person on that team other than Russell Westbrook. But like Sabonis, is, he can stretch the floor, but he was basically... I thought he was pretty much just a shooter on uh, Thunder from the way they were using him, but... The, the Pacers are using him as not a shooter at all. They're just putting him down low, letting him be an actual big man, maybe hit, hit a mid-range J. I don't know. I haven't seen a single Pacer minute, but I'm imagining that's what they're doing because he has, he's not shooting threes. And so he's he's been pretty efficient from inside. He's shooting 66% from the field, averaging 13 points. And that's better than he did last year. So... That makes the the trade is working out for the Pacers as well as it could. Maybe they should have gotten more to start with, but with what they did get, it's it's going well.
1: Definitely. I mean Sabonis, he's uh he's definitely been impressive. He's also averaging more than 10 rebounds per game. Um yeah, he's he's some people wrote him off last year as just a guy with limited upside and not not, not a lot of tools. He's got that short wingspan. So, yeah, I don't know, but the Chris-Bosch comparison defensively will probably never happen just because Bosch was so versatile on that end. But, I mean, offensively, he can, he's a skilled, skilled big. He's, he's got a mix of, of power and finesse. So, yeah, not all is lost in Indiana, which is nice. Um, so as far as, uh, as planning goes, that's all we really had planned here. I, I can open this up, make it kind of an open forum here. Does anyone have anything they want to – throw out there from they've seen this season any the observations or any takes
3: you guys want to talk about stranger things
4: welcome no. to stranger things we should,
3: we should talk i know we got our own separate knicks podcast but i'd like to hear mcgovern talk about the knicks and what chris Tapps has done these past few games i he's, am he's a boston guy well that
1: podcast is called talking knicks by the way and you can find that on this feed go on kevin christapps poor
0: God you tell you what uh I am I am unbelievably impressed with how he's been playing so far and I talked earlier a little bit about how Al Horford's kind of been a, a defensive stopper for the Celtics had zero chance against uh Christstoffs last a uh, few weeks back even though we we blew out the Knicks but uh really impressed with how he's playing and and uh you know you kind of think he's starting to develop a bit of that um I don't know what how you'd call the mentality. Maybe the Mamba mentality, the, the Kobe Bryant mentality, a little bit. But man, that dude—he shows no mercy out there, and he's pretty relentless. You know, he, for for a guy um, who kind of came into the league as a bit more of a, a, a softer, frailer guy, he's one put on a bunch of muscle, and two has no problem. You know, just bullying people out there on the court, and um, kind of like seeing that. I, I like seeing that that kind of tenacity. Um, out of the Knicks, out of at any point in time, uh, let alone just just one player. So, you know, I, I I like I like building around him. I think I think that's the way to go. But uh, yeah, given how you guys performed against the Celtics, you might have quite a ways quite a ways to go. Yeah. So, I,
3: watching the Knicks against the uh, Nuggets yesterday, uh, Clyde Frazier had said that the Knicks gave they gave it all, they gave the, king, the keys to the kingdom to uh, Chris Daps And Clyde Clyde was honest with his take. He said, honestly, I didn't think he was ready, but looking at this guy, uh, he kind of looks like he, he was, he's looks kind of ready to be the alpha and to do what he did. And they mentioned that his only under-30-point game was against the Celtics when he scored 12, but they said that he was double-teamed through the whole game. So that might be how people are going to have to guard this seven foot three guy with handles in range who could post up so i love the guy and uh since tim hardaway jr is going to earn his money pretty soon the knicks are going to be dangerous
4: (laughs) yeah and we uh, the 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 comparison that i think i use because i chris ash is going to come back down to earth a little bit maybe maybe he doesn't but I think the way we were talking about Giannis coming into this year, a sleeper MVP taking the leap, I think that's going to be Chris Stapp's next year. If this, if this guy finishes with 25, 10, couple blocks, something like that, they're, they're going to be expecting that. And again, it'll, you know, MVP is a strong word for the New York mix for where they've been the past two decades, but it's, 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 you you take it out of your head, it sounds like a video game, a seven three Latvian dude that's now he's not just kind of a he's not a deadly shooter yet. He's you don't leave him open. He banged a thirty-five footer in stride yesterday. But that's what Kevin was saying, this dude's attacking people. He's he's trying to yam on people hard. So it's it's fun to watch and God, from Nick's Nation, thank you, Jarrett Jack. We love you.
1: Well, I hate to keep bringing this up for Fuge, who's So, obviously the Sixers drafted Jaleel Okafor over Chris Stapp's Porzingis, and they did not pick up Okafor's uh,
2: extension. Is that right? Yeah, they didn't pick up his uh, fourth-year option. option. So, um, that says all you need to know about how I feel about the Okafor-Chris uh, Stapps thing. <laughs> like uh, but to that point to the, the whole memo Mamba mentality thing, I actually pulled up a quote on um, Twitter. Uh, speaking of Twitter, follow a lot of basketball on Twitter. I think That's our Twitter handle. Uh, we'll get nice. the pots going. Um, so Chris Haps was uh, interviewed and was quoted in saying, I watched a Kobe interview about the game. He had 81 and he said at any moment, he didn't stop and say, I have 50, I have 60. He just kept on going. And that's my mentality. Always. It's so what you guys said. He's like a, he is, in a way, like a – he's an animal out there. He's got that mentality that you may have worried that he had in the beginning or didn't have in the beginning, but now he definitely is the alpha, wants to score, can score in pretty much any way possible. But, yeah, if uh, Sam Hinkie had his way, he would have taken Chris Stapps, but uh, someone else made him take Okafor instead. Is that true? Is that confirmed? Let's, yes. just say let's just say yes. I'm an let's do, You know, I'm the Sixers insider on this podcast for a reason. And I think they were worried about the optics of, you know, 10-11 win season plus uh, not ready Latvian, you know, European big guy. So, um, Jocafer's sitting on the bench doing his thing. He's vegan now, though. So, you know, if, like, the Bulls or... Uh, even the Blazers. If someone wants to come and trade for him, you know. We're listening. Now is the time. Yeah. We'll give you yeah.
3: we'll give you Chris Stapps for him. We wanted oh. him. We wanted him back then and now we can get him for
2: now. He's a proven winner. Uh no off the court issues anymore. Now that he's vegan. Um
1: sure. Yeah. You know, any any player who is in a
2: contract year should just Announce that they're vegan.
1: Only <laughs> good things
2: come from that. I mean, here's the thing: he looked a little. Uh, Okafer looked a little doughy uh, last year. You know, not to like hate on the guy's body. I'm not certainly not in the best of shape, but he looked he looked pretty slim, especially when he was fighting on the roster against Omeka uh, Okafer and Chris Humphreys. I think he looked pretty good, but uh, if you can't beat out Amir Johnson for minutes, then something's wrong. And I think part of it's this whole contract situation, but. Yeah, I think it also is he's still not there. Now before that's so, yeah, all the way.
3: <laughs> all right. Before we wrap up, can we go around quick, like real quick, and just say who we think the MVP? Like I'll say Giannis. And then the rest of you will probably say Giannis, if I had to guess. <laughs> as of right
0: now. Yeah, my seven game MVP is definitely Giannis. Nice.
1: Tom? I mean, I don't want to be unoriginal here, but he's definitely been the most impressive player so far. I mean, you know what? I mean, DeMarcus Cousins has been amazing. Yeah. I know I was a little lower on him coming into the season. But, like, the Pelicans aren't, have, haven't won enough through seven games, so I can't give it to him. you know?
4: Yeah, I don't, with what I just heard about Jaleel, I mean, how do you not give the guy the award? Mm. So,
2: let's uh, – I, I, yeah. I have a different one. Just to be – don't different. be Ben Simmons. Blake Griffin. It's a good Thank lineup. you, Fuge. Uh, not bad. Not bad. I, I was I wanted to do, because <laughs> we're hunting for a way to wrap
4: this up. I kind of <laughs> want to give everyone a 60 second, like what they have not touched on. And I was gonna say the Clippers, Blake Griffin, he's he's playing strong basketball. Um, and you know, Doc Rivers is supposed to be this primo coach. He's kind of coaching him up a little bit. Danilo's not even playing well yet. Uh PBEV, PBEV, is that a nickname? He's playing okay. Um and I, my, my giant take for the end of this pod is that I'm not saying the rest of the league is caught up in any means to Golden State and Cleveland. But I think we're seeing, and I'll put a Halloween twist on it with all the girls dressed as Lola Bunny with the MJ special sauce. I think the special sauce is kind of known now. Like, play a little defense, shoot some threes. That's kind of what these two teams were doing. And now you're seeing teams – I think that's why we talked about all these Eastern Conference teams we thought were going to be miserable to watch because Indiana, Orlando, some of these teams are playing quality basketball because they, they kind of drank the Kool-Aid. The, the NFL is usually noted as the copycat league, but I think the NBA's finally kind of taken a page out of their book.
1: All right, Jake, that's a good recap there. We could probably end on it. Just a, a quick reminder that Jake did – uh, dress as a sexy bunny for Halloween this year, just to put that I, image back here. I want everyone's recaps. My recaps are wrong. That's why I start everything. Do we need more recaps? That felt like a lot of recaps. I think we leave we leave some to be desired. I've got, got a stat yeah. for
4: you. I
1: actually, I've got some good Chris Dapps takes that I want to uh, yes. let loose on the Talking Nick's <laughs> podcast. So let's leave a little teaser for, uh, you know, okay. tune in yeah. to to Nick's podcast. Come out. Greg, we have, a, we have a day for that? Uh, it comes out on
3: Mondays,
2: but I want to hear Fooge's stat. Fuge, Fuge, oh, stat. Let's there's
4: always end on a, a Fooge money stat.
2: All right. Here's a stat from Basketball Reference. Ben Simmons is the first player since Scottie Pippen to average 18, 9, and 7 through the first seven games of the season. Hey, not bad.
3: Ooh. He's pretty good. What
2: a,
4: what a letdown.
2: He, he I, looks, I don't think it's a <laughs> letdown at all. That's uh... a... <laughs> I can't believe no one
1: else did that through seven games of a season. Like, yeah, that's
4: that's why we're picking MVPs, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> well, there was something,
2: in the, and there's something that, like, so Simmons had his first tri- triple double through in the third game, and they're saying like, oh, LeBron didn't have his until like midway through his second season. Not saying Ben Simmons is LeBron, but kind of saying Ben Simmons is. So, LeBron. what is does
0: that Monzo Ball?
2: Uh, uh,
1: also, LeBron. LeBron. Ball's son. And on that note. All right, this has been a lot of basketball. Thanks for listening all the way through. If you did, I'm impressed. Um, Yeah, so tune in to Talking Knicks Mondays. We'll be uh, back on a lot of basketball next week too. So, all right, guys, it's been fun. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, guys.